Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. Today on the Ether, the Shade Protocol end of month FAQ. Let's take a listen. Well, sounds good. We'll we'll move onwards. We can start and kick things off here. We're 11:04. Reminder for everyone that's that's just joined, we're doing an FAQ as the last Wednesday of of every month. So, be prepared with your questions towards the end of every month. If you want to ask a question, feel free to raise your hand or request to be a speaker, and I can bring you up. You can ask a question to the team. We've got Cavalier asking um, to speak here, so I'll bring I'll bring you up, and you can ask ask your first question. Thanks for thanks for jumping on, everyone today. Hey, I just had a quick question um, about uh, the Shade uh, Treasury and what assets it's going to acquire. Uh, for instance, um, USDC is going to be one of the original ones. And I just wanted to make sure, is that going to be uh, acquired, um, you know, natively on chain uh, to avoid any bridge risk, or it's going to be acquired via the Cosmos ecosystem and therefore, um, you know, have bridge risk associated with it? This has been a pretty consistent internal conversation as of recently. I think uh, maybe more, Carter, if you want to speak to that. Uh, Carter, do you want to take this, or do you want me to take this? I know. I guess. I think Carter has technical. Yeah, technical issues. So I can go ahead. Um, so yes, uh, uh, there is a lot of conversation going on about like what assets we could accept and are in the basket, really. Um, so there have been we are actually having conversations with uh, Axler uh, 100% we feel they are a trusted bird uh, a network where uh, we can get bridge assets from ethereum through a uh, secret network um, the secret network bridge is already live uh, just for context and uh, on secret network at least uh, all of the bridges are um, to be deprecated or are going to be deprecated for Axler as far as we are aware so we are we are very positive in like you know having some asset acquisitions from Axler Bridge and um, the Axler Network. So we're definitely looking for a partnership on that side of things. Um, there'll be more news on that 100% uh, when things are more concrete on our side. But the bridging solution built by Axler is really concrete, trusted by Osmosis as well. So they're using them as well as as a source of USDC. So that's definitely one of the bridging solutions we're looking towards for from the Ethereum side of things, really. Um, we're obviously like, you know, always looking for options to get USDC natively um, in the Cosmos so that we can directly use them rather than like trusting any uh, bridge solution in any capacity, right? So um, we're looking for options in that front as well. I know Osmos has had conversations about getting USDC natively on their on 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 their decks. So if they are able to do that, 
via IBC, we would be open to like you know, accepting uh, that directly in our pool as well. So there's like options we're looking at that front as well. Um, so it's totally up to like you know USDC's implementation in the Cosmos space. Um, it seems like there's been a little bit of a a rough implementation coming from um, the uh, USDC team, really. Um, I think it's because of like legal legalization and stuff. But uh, the point is, uh, an immediate solution when stuff goes live, really, is based on what's going to be live in the cosmos, really. And Axelar seems to be the bridge that's going to be live trusted by multiple parties in the cosmos and their technical solutions also look very feasible so like we're probably going to be looking to implement to that bridge um there's obviously uh you know pick compositions that we're still like working towards uh concretely with the community so based on the pick compositions how much of usdc is accepted is still a question mark but uh we're definitely looking at axular bridge as a potential solution in the short term Awesome. Thanks, Mo. Cavalier, thanks for the question. I'm going to bring you down from speaker. Just a reminder to everyone else, raise your hands or request to speak if you're interested in asking a question. Carter, welcome back. Is And this is like in the last, like I don't know, 72 hours, this type of a discussion. It's kind of this general realization that stable coins that are pegged to the dollar um, are forced to really only accept dollar collateral. Um, which is actually a limitation. And because silk is pegged to a basket of global currencies and commodities, we actually have the flexibility to accept multiple different types of collateral into like redemption pools, similar to how Frax does. It doesn't just have to be dollar stables. So kind of ideating what the available assets in the cosmos are that match silk's basket. So definitely keen on pulling in the e-money e euro from osmosis. That project has, you know, stable coin pegged to the euro. Um, so it, it's not going to just be dollar, dollar stable coins, but potentially other stable coin assets too, uh, even potentially Bitcoin since Bitcoin has a presence, presence in the peg. So. Awesome. Thanks for the clarification there as well, Carter. Seeing Melch is requesting to come up as a speaker. Melch, you should be live here. Melch, you're on mute. If you have a if you have a question, you feel free to go ahead. Cool, thanks, guys. Yeah, massive delay on my Twitter Space site, so apologies. Uh, and twofold question for you guys. One was, what do you see as like the fastest reason Silk will be adopted? I think on a simple user side, I think of something like Silk Pay. But curious what you guys think on that side. Uh, and then what do you, what's your biggest fear, right? As this starts to come out, it seems like a lot of products are getting launched. Uh, obviously everything really relies on, uh, on silk in a lot of ways. What's your guys' biggest fear? I can, I can jump in pretty quick on this one. I think the, the thing that will make silk kind of shape protocol succeed out of the gates is the fact that there's just such a lack of native liquidity on secret network and actually kind of cosmos in general, since UST fell apart there's just like such a deep strong demand for stable coins and also for the ability to utilize assets beyond just like holding them um so i think the, the combination of lending protocols with all the state liquid staking derivative protocols going live in the cosmos plus like giving people the ability to mint out silk using you know over collateralization i think it's just going to be such a strong product that has a lot of just organic demand because it allows people to better utilize their assets and it allows them to hold something um, stable amidst a volatile environment. The two, two risks I'm worried about 
honestly, uh, the first one is education. I mean, it's, it's, we've seen other stable coin projects. I think like there's like a pie project or Faye or something that's pegged to 3.14. Like there's, there's people who've tried to introduce new monetary amounts. And so obviously silks, the starting peg will be at a dollar and five cents and then it'll migrate up or down based off of basket appreciation or depreciation. But there's going to be a lot of education involved because silk might be perfectly pegged at $1 and three cents, right? But someone might not understand that. So I, I think the education piece and the the friction surrounding what it means to hold something that's stable within the context of like the world and not just the dollar mindset is going to be in an almost impossible uphill battle. And I, and I say that in a way that like we're up to the challenge. It's just, it's going to be difficult. And that's the risk we're willing to take in the name of really innovating and having this long-term stance. I think the, I think the other risk too is Cosmos has a lot of politics. Um, and I'm really curious to see how Silk fits into this larger Cosmos world of stable coins that are emerging. There's going to be people in the Cosmos biased towards IST. There's going to be people biased towards CMST, towards uh, USK, um, Kajira and whatnot. So, and Ultra. Like, I, I, th- I think uh, Silk is positioned to be very, very differentiated from those other Cosmos stable coins. And so I think people will view Silk as this kind of odd outlier. And I think that's super good for us. But I, I am concerned potentially that it, it, it gets uh, less attention from certain Cosmos chains because it's not native to their chain. And that's, you know, that's fair, right? Like the world of blockchain is full of conflicting incentives and it's our job to make such a good product that users go to those L1 ecosystems, go to those different DeFi apps and say, hey, like we really, really want Silk. We want Silk to be incentivized. We want that to be part of this DeFi experience. So. It all depends on us building such a solid product with really good education and the users organically demanding it in such a way that the larger cosmos has to like integrate it in a, in a convincing fashion. But there's risk there. There's risk during that adoption cycle. There's the risk of cosmos politics. And then the third one, of course, is like the legal risks. I think 2023 is going to be a turning point uh, where the world realizes that if you have a dollar derivative stablecoin, or any stablecoin pegged to one country's currency that um, regulators are coming full force. Um, what does that mean for Silk? We don't entirely know. We know we have way more flexibility than any other stablecoin project to have agility as it pertains to reacting to regulatory forces, but it doesn't mean we don't carry any risk tied to it. Uh, specifically with the privacy side, specifically what happened with Tornado Cash, that's something that we continue to monitor and game theory about long-term of how, how we would handle a similar situation. So I guess, I guess those are the three risks on my mind and the, the, the differentiator. Yeah. It's cool to hear you um, hear what just goes on, on, on your guys side on those things. Cause I know you guys are obviously tackling them as part of your uh, equation into solving everything, but uh, interesting on the um, conflicting incentives. I didn't, I hadn't thought of that before, but very true. I've got a, a less formal question for Sisson. Um, when are you coming home to go to the broad shop? You know, I'll meet you there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can speak, Sisson, but yeah, we'll, yeah, uh, we'll, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, we'll meet you there one day. One day, one day, I'll get, I'll make it back. I've been, I've been real busy, but yeah, I mean, it'll be soon, man. I'm looking forward to it. I'll let you know when I'm in town. 
Yeah, it's not like the Shade team's busy or anything, but no problem. <laughs> <laughs> not, not much going on over here at Shade. We're, we're, we're relaxing. Just sitting on <laughs> yeah, our we've hands. Been, we've been heads know? down. A <laughs> uh, lot of building, pushing bonds out right now. So we've been, we've been crazy busy. But thanks for the questions, Melch. I appreciate it. I'm going to put you down as a speaker. And then Red Eye, I see you've requested, so I'll bring you up here. And you can go ahead and ask your question once you're, once you're ready. My question is uh, mostly for Carter, uh, considering this question kind of relates to one of the most recent forum uh, posts on Shade Protocol forums, but I would be happy to get input from Mohammed uh, or assistant on this as well. Um, but as I'm thinking about the stablecoin trilemma that Carter proposed, um, talking about the three kind of core attributes that stablecoins generally have and um, what the priorities are for various different stables across different ecosystems. Um, in the in Carter's most recent forum post talking about this, uh, he was kind of discussing like what should we prioritize at different stages of Silk's uh, lifespan. And so what I'm curious about, uh, like when I think about this, I personally think that the stability of the stablecoin um, should be the utmost priority and then security of the underlying collateral and then uh, prioritize efficiency last. Um, and I'm just curious, one, how the team expects Silk's attributes to change, like the priority of its attributes to change over time as we see greater adoption. And second part to that question, do you guys think the other Cosmos uh, other stable coins within the cosmos will follow a similar development path as they see adoption. Interesting. So I always feel like the interesting benchmark to think about was UST's adoption, even though ultimately it came to a, a resounding end. And I think UST is an example of a stable coin where you put capital efficiency as your number one priority. Um, and actually decentralization of collateral, if you think about it, security of it was very low, right? Like it was, it was literally just Luna. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, so that's, it's, they literally maxed out capital efficiency, no diversification of, of, of collateral in essence. And then you have the stability that was, I will call it medium strength, right? Cause it ultimately failed. So UST still proved though, that if you put a lot of chips on the capital efficiency table, some pretty ridiculous things can happen very fast, right? Like we saw, you know, 15 billion UST, it was unsustainable, but it still proved there is a lot of growth and demand um, for a stable coin that kind of has reflexive deepening liquidity. Clearly too much risk there, but an interesting experiment nonetheless. You have, you know, alternative experiments like DAI that really put the, um, the stability as its number one priority. They've, they've always followed the over-collateralized model. They've added in some other USDC mod modules to increase their capital efficiency and their growth. And now they're struggling with the security of the peg, which directly impacts stability. So it's like, I think out of the gates, I agree with you, you have to focus on stability. Like people pretty much need a year worth of data, if not more, to be like, yep, this thing, this thing's not going to break. And so I think like, as long as we have this decade long vision, um, 
we can be super patient and make sure we're, we're heavily slated towards the over collateralized side and then have like very scoped experiments for when we're accepting uh, things like USDC or the Euro or Bitcoin or gold, like any sort of other asset that follows the more redemption style model that's more capital efficient. We just, we just do very scoped experiments and slowly expand that and heavily lean on over collateralization until we reach the point where there's a lot of organic consistent demand for silk. I don't know if, that, that, if that's at 1 billion silk. I don't know if that's at 5 billion silk. I don't know if that's based off of, hey, we need 20 real world integrations. It's super hard to know. Like, right, we're, we're, this, this is, is there kind of abstracted out problems and we need to put more research into it, but it's, it's somewhat uncharted territory. So yes, I agree with you. Start with stability, have scoped capital efficiency experiments, and then be hyper aware of the risks that we take by using centralized assets and have a plan to migrate away from them. Um, like that's, that's going to be the hardest one because the temptation is to lean into capital efficiency until that capital efficiency owns you, right? That's MakerDAO's problem right now. <laughs> the proposed solution is to become, but from Rune, is to become a floating peg and pretty much ditch all the USDC, go back to truly decentralized assets, reobtain the security properties that ensure the stability of it in terms of regulatory risk. Um, it's a pretty radical idea. I'm watching their forums super, super carefully to see how it all unfolds. Uh, I think it ultimately comes down to risk management and what percentage of the treasury are assets that someone can hit a kill button on. And I think with the touch and go plan, kind of the five-year strategy, it's like, yeah, by year five, the goal should be to be very far away from our dependency on that, those types of legal risks. Um, I think in terms, of, in terms of growth and adoption and how competitive the space is, we do need to be aware that if, if we launch without any capital efficiency experiments, that um, we could fall prey to becoming irrelevant in a, in a hyper-competitive stablecoin world. I know people don't like to hear that. We'd like to think that it can just stand on its own, but like we do exist in a very competitive space. So I don't know. That, it's not like a direct answer to your question. It's just some of my thoughts um, on kind of focus on stability, scoped capital efficiency experiments, have the plan to migrate towards more decentralized collateral. And I think that's more than most projects can, can say in terms of strategy when they've been thinking about these things. I agree. And, uh, and I definitely, the, the more I've thought about this after I've uh, replied on the forums, the more I think I fall in line with your uh, train of thinking where stability should be prioritized um, and slowly have a scoped out plan to uh, decentralize the collateral that's backing Silk. The second part of my question was basically, uh, was really trying to get at like, how much do you think other Cosmos stable coins will approach the uh, the like expansion of their decentralized collateral? Because I know there were a few stables that have been talking about um, being collateralized with Atom, um, but obviously, even if it is decentralized, this is just one asset. Um, and I think I've touched on previously, like some of the some of the economic. Uh, Problem or market problems you could see with uh, over like over collateralization by multiple stable coins of just one asset. So I, I was just kind of curious, like, do you think that other Cosmos stables will eventually kind of open up their treasury similar to how 
Silka's planning on doing um, and accepting all these different types of decentralized assets? Like, do you think other projects are taking a similar approach to this trilemma that Silka is taking? Well, I think it depends on if you think about is the product lending or is the product the stable coin? Good right? point. Good point. So I, I think like if you're thinking about it from a lending standpoint, you're going to want to open up as many, you know, different types of assets that users are demanding that they want to be able to, you know, leverage, leverage across. Um, if it's if it's a stable coin project, I think you you want to push the model more towards a capital efficient system that's not just like a purely lending based tool. And that's kind of the the frax frax marries like the vision I have is like a frax that marries MakerDAO that has a treasury that can have flexibility similar to to Terra, but in a much more scoped and bounded system. So I think it's there's there's gonna be as with anything, there's gonna be trade-offs either way. I actually don't know like if does does IST does Agoric view itself as a lending project or a stablecoin project? Does CMST view itself as a lending product or a stablecoin? And I think like what you'll find is the pro- like I and there's actually there's different answers on this. I know I know Christians in this Twitter space. Like I would actually would love to pull him up here and get his answer for how he views Shade Lend and Silk in this relationship. But I, I view Silk as as a stablecoin project more than a lending product, um, and I think that informs informs the decision and strategy in terms of like the late game that we're envisioning versus if you're just thinking about as a lending product, it's much more focused on like revenue streams and how can we expand to as many assets as possible that people can lend against. So I would love to pull Krishna up here. I actually don't think I gave a very exact answer to that, but just, uh, yeah. Christian, I just sent you a speaking invite. If you see that and accept it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, why you would kind of need to figure out what exactly the purpose of the, like the underlying uh, protocol is. Like, is it primarily to develop a stablecoin, or is it to try and generate revenue through lending products that utilize a over collateralized stablecoin? Um, and obviously, as Silk's uh, collateralization model has changed after uh, UST's collapse, it makes sense that we're kind of juggling all these different scenarios right now, trying to figure out what. What is the best combination of these attributes that we can have um, while still trying to uh, try and be innovative? Uh, can you guys hear me? Yep. Yeah, yep. you're good. Yeah, so I, I, my, my Twitter space was a little screwed up there. Was the, the question was comparing, uh, is it a lending product versus is it a, is it a stablecoin product? Oh, and also the concept of like, how do we think other Cosmos stablecoins are thinking about the trilemma problem, how much for, foresight do do we think they have, et cetera, et cetera. So I got you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, um, it's, and I, and I, I kind of said this on the, on the forms, uh, stability is the number one thing because it's like, that is the metric by which you determine if the coin is alive or dead. Like if we can't maintain our peg, there is no product. Um, but that doesn't mean that like it, it it's stability at all costs is the answer. Um, I think we have enough growth levers and there is enough, there, there is enough in the silk system to make sure that the supply will respond correctly to the changing demand uh, that 
we are as capital efficient as we need to be in order for silk to grow. And the only missing piece of the puzzle is, is the utility. Like at the end of the day, you need silk to be used for things in order for it to have demand. Um, and I think we have a good strategy for that as well. In terms of what the other stable coins in, in the cosmos are, are doing, um, I think I don't, I don't, I don't want to be disparaging, but I think there's a, there's a lot of, uh regular coins there's a lot of like like usk for example is just die which is fine because maker dow is a good product but also why would you use usk over die maybe now because usk is going to be a dollar and die is going to be a floating peg uh maybe there's a differentiator but um I, I, and i think we are tackling the trilemma the best because we we have Number one, we have novelty. We actually can, like have a niche where we, our our peg is floating. We have a narrative about how we are inflation resistant, and we have tons and tons of levers for all the different types of market conditions. You know, if leverage demand is low, we still have a growth metric uh, mechanism. If demand falls off a cliff, we have mechanisms to contract the supply in a very healthy way. Um, even if we are staring down the barrel of a bank run we have mechanisms to delay that or, or, or mitigate that. So I feel like we're really well positioned to handle the stability. I think we're really well positioned to be capital efficient. And the only piece of the equation left is to launch the products so that Silk has the utility that it needs in order to actually realize all of this. Damn, I didn't think I could be any more bullish on Silk, but thank you, Christian, for that. Appreciate it. Awesome response, Kristen. Uh, Red Eye, thanks for the questions. Appreciate it. I'm going to bring you down from a speaker now. If anyone else has any more questions, feel free to raise a hand or request to speak. We'll give it a couple couple seconds here. Thanks again to everybody who, who joined today for, for the FAQ. John Galt, I see your question. I'll bring you up here as a speaker. Ask your question when you're ready. John, you're good. Go ahead with the question. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Going good? Uh, Going great. Well, uh, I'm sorry. You guys will have to forgive my ignorance. Uh, I only just started really digging into Silk. I've uh, just been researching it. And uh, I, I wasn't at the beginning of this conversation, so I'm jumping in midway through the conversation. You've probably already addressed this, and it's just a tiny question, but I'm curious. Uh, at this point, what are you planning on using to back Silk? Yeah, so there's there's three metrics by which we look at the kind of quality of collateral. It's based off of how much compressed volatility exists, the depth of liquidity, as well as any sort of smart contractor or bridge risk. Uh, compressed volatility is as in you don't want something that on a very short time frame is like absurdly volatile because in terms of like when it get, gets locked up as collateral, if it rapidly loses value, the system needs to be able to restabilize itself and pull silk out of the market to maintain like a proper collateralization ratio. So you want to avoid assets with a lot of compressed volatility. Depth of liquidity helps with that, right? Like if you have deep, deep liquidity, when there's a price change in the asset that's backing silk, there's time for the system to be able to react to that volatility. So right now, in terms of pools that are available with proper depth of liquidity, on Seeker Network, this is part of the reason we have to launch ShadeSwap, right? We need to be able to establish deep liquidity to open up options here. But I think ideal end state, at least initially, is going to be 
uh, secret, staked secret, one or two potential stable coins via redemption pools. And then um, hopefully we can get Adam liquidity on, on this network too. But Christian has probably thought the most, actually done the most direct research on which pools are safe to use. So I'd, I'd love to get his, his input on the answer as, or the question as well. Uh, well, we have one advantage, which is that when Silk comes out, we should have IBC compatibility as well, which, which opens up the landscape of liquidity available to us. Sure. Um, so that means that the, the, the things that are backing Silk um, are going to be like the premier Cosmos assets. The ones with the high liquidity on Osmos and the one uh, on Osmosis and the the ones with the high liquidity in blockchain in general, because that is also a stability mechanism. So, you know, Bitcoin, for example, um, Adam, of course, um, stable assets uh, are going to be the the most important. Um, and then we'd like to branch out a little bit from there. That like the initial landscape is going to be very simple tokens like that. Um, because they're the safest, they're the lowest risk. Um, they're they're not the highest in demand, but they 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 get us off the ground, which is the most important. We need the launch to go smooth, right? And then from there, we have any number of options we want, any asset with value. Um, and the first thing we'd like to experiment with is LP tokens, uh, specifically Shade Swap LP tokens. And so, what the user experience there would be like is you provide liquidity on Shade Swap. Let's say for, I don't know, USDC Frax, you get you get an LP token in return, which is a yield bearing token. Then you can choose to take that token, put it up as collateral mint silk. Your yield bearing token continues earning interest, and it's also backing silk. And then it's you're free to do something else with that money. And because it's a stable coin LP, will give you a good interest rate and a good LTV. Um, so something like that. And then like where we go from there, I don't know. It depends. There's, if you look on other DeFi products and other parts and on uh, other stable coins on other chains, people take all kinds of absurd tokens. I don't know if we want to be absurd given our focus on stability, but um, you know, people take urine vault tokens, people take, um, you know, people have farming strategies with collateral. There's, there's no shortage of options, but that's a future problem, I guess. Christian spilling alpha over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun stuff. I love it. Uh, yeah, thank you, guys, uh, both of you. Uh, that was a very, very thorough answer, uh, giving me the criteria and also lots of examples of things you may be looking at. Uh, I've heard of the LP token idea before uh, for other stable coins, and that is a really good idea, very capital efficient, so the capital isn't idly sitting there. Um, a couple of follow up questions, though. You mentioned um, IBC getting uh, enabled. Uh, I, I'm just ignorant here. Um, does Circle, sorry, does a Secret currently have IBC, or is that not turned on yet? It has it has IBC for L1 tokens like Secret and Atom, but what it doesn't have is IBC for SNP20 tokens or for SNP tokens. SNP tokens are the equivalent of like ERC20s, but the Secret Network version. So all the app layer tokens like Silk and Shade and Sienna and CFI. None of these things are bridgeable via IBC. But once Cosmosm 1 goes live and with the super, not supernova, I'm blanking on the upgrade name. Upgrade is coming out. It should be either, you know, late September or mid to late September or early October is kind of the, the time range right now. And so once that's there, Silk's launch is pending slash waiting for 
um, that to be complete. That doesn't mean it's ready to launch right now, but like one of our prerequisites to launch is making sure um, that uh, IBC has SNP20 compatibility. So, uh, Interesting, I see. And uh, is the reverse also true? Is it impossible to send CW20 tokens onto the secret network at this point? That's a good question. I'd imagine the answer is yes to that, but someone else can can hop in here if they know for sure. I've always been thinking about it from the SNP, stamp, SNP side. That's actually interesting to reverse that. I don't know of any CWs that are on secret network right now. So I'm thinking the answer is yes. Okay. Oh, well, that's interesting. And one other small follow-up question. So you mentioned uh, a whole wealth of uh, different assets that you're considering using to back uh, Silk, which is really great. Lots of diversity. Um, I assume you'll be applying caps to those so that maybe, you know, so that each one has a cap uh, in terms of how much of uh, the percentage of the whole pool backing Silk it represents. Is that the case? Yeah, each each collateral. Uh, so the lending experience is basically going to be um, you have a token which is going to be in an isolated vault. That vault will have its own max LTV, which is the maximum amount you can borrow. It'll have its own interest rate and borrowing fees, and it will also have a configurable cap. Um, so it it do, it's not a perfect uh, solution because uh, I'll give you an example. If we set a cap of one million silk on secret, because that's how much silk we're willing to back with secret and a 10 million dollar cap or 10 million silk cap on frax but we get 500,000 silk of loans against secret and 100,000 loans of silk uh against frax we're at a 5 to 1 ratio of secret to frax which is very far from the 10 to 1 frax to secret ratio we targeted with our caps so um we do have a cap system in place to prevent it from getting out of control um and that, those those caps are configurable by governance or they, they will be once governance launches, of course. Um, but uh, we all this, we also have to consider um, that there might not be enough demand to fill our caps. Okay, well, um, that answers all my questions. Uh, thank you for the answers, guys. Awesome. Thanks for the questions, John. We appreciate it. Carter, Christian, thanks for the great responses there. I'm going to bring you down, John. And then again, if anyone else has We'll, we'll do one or two more questions if anyone else has anything here. Um, you can raise your hand or ask to be to be a speaker. We'll if no one raises their hand, I have a question, but we'll see if anyone raises their hand. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll give it a couple seconds here and see. Carter, I say let's move forward with your question. Yeah, my question is I would love to know, you know, September 12th, Shade Bonds launch. Do we have a an update on the, the state of, of shade bonds are things on track are we feeling good i think we have a secret austin on stage that would be well positioned to answer that one we do happen to have austin here what's going on guys you hear me yep yeah you're good thanks i think as of right now we're the front end is is still on track um Bonds really prevents or presents some interesting challenges uh, from a front end perspective. I know it's been a long time uh, since we've launched a product, uh, but there's been a, a whole lot of work being done uh, on the front end side and overhaul really our entire infrastructure. Um, that's going to make our application uh, more scalable and allow us to you know, share data between various parts of the application. 
you know, I think front end sometimes I think is a little bit uh, underrated for how, how much work actually goes into it. You know, you think of, well, let's, let's get the contracts done and then spin up a quick front end and should be good to go. Um, but there's, there's a lot more to it than that. And, uh, you know, if you want to build a single type of application that has one sort of use case, one type of contract interaction with one type of token, I think like our staking derivatives is a good example of that. That's pretty easy uh, to put together. But if you want to build something that has, uh, you know, an infinite number of possibilities of the tokens you can work with, you know, when we start thinking about bonds, you know, you could theoretically issue any, the DAO could issue any sort of token. It wouldn't necessarily have to just be shade and it could accept any number of uh, SNP assets uh, going into that bond. So we need to build it out so it's flexible enough to handle an infinite number of tokens. And that's, that's just a lot more difficult than it is to um, just have a single token with a single sort of uh, use case. So we're working hard to pull it all together. And uh, I'd say we're still on track for the 12th, uh, but there's a little bit more work still left to be done. So, yeah, that's my update. Awesome. Thanks, Austin. Yeah, we're super grateful for our front end team. They've been working hard to get to get bonds out the door here by the 12th, but we're we're closing in on it and everything's coming together extremely well. We've got a big overhaul of what we've got on our site. and our application pages are working and everything. So we're looking forward to it. We appreciate the hard work from our front end team. I can't wait for people to see bonds as an app sitting right next to staking derivative as an app sitting right next to portfolio and having the, the landing page integrated and the, uh, the learn, the learn bar. Like it's, it's, I, I think people are going to come from cosmos and be extremely impressed. Like to Austin's point, you know, they've been, They've been building because, uh, with a quality standard of what does it mean to onboard, you know, hundreds and thousands of users uh, from like on a front end experience that's smooth and, and seamless. So I think it's it's going to be enterprise grade, and I think it's um, I can't wait for people to just get their hands on it. It's going to be great. Yeah, just going to be a fantastic experience. Uh, if you haven't seen the small bonds front end little leak video you can scroll back in our twitter feed and, and find that um for a little a little taste of what's coming but we're, we're down on the last couple of weeks before bonds and we're all looking forward to it so thanks for holding out with us everybody the the delays are are there and we acknowledge it apologize but it's all going to be worth it for for the product that we're launching it's it's a top tier top tier product so, on the good side too i think giving people a chance to stake or um, LP, the stake secret slash shade pair, you know, it's $800,000 worth of liquidity in 24 hours. And I think there's been lots of learning from people of like, oh, so how do I solve, like, how do I do this? What's this derivative? Like, I think, um, I think the delay in the end was as helpful from an education standpoint, because people are going to, when bonds come around, they're going to have their LP tokens ready to, to lock and load because they had a, you know, 10, 15 day heads up to, to get that minted out. Um, so delay not not optimal but in the end result is going to be a beautiful beautiful product and people well prepared for the first bond so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun absolutely absolutely 
All right, everybody, we're coming up towards the end of the Twitter space here. If anyone has any last questions, we'll, we'll take one or two more here. You can uh, raise a hand or request to speak. If not, we'll give it a couple more seconds here, and then we'll call this our weekly Twitter space. I've also, I'm like 99% sure that we're the first Bonds product in the Cosmos, by the way. I'm still waiting for someone to confirm otherwise. Um, Olympus DAO is going to go to Terra, but that never happened. So it'll be a Cosmos first, unless someone proves otherwise. Lo- love to have, have the first. Always a, always a fun thing. All right, guys. Well, thank you all for joining on our weekly Twitter space, end of the month FAQ. That's a wrap. We appreciate all the questions and we appreciate all the community members hopping on here to to give it a listen um, and learn a little bit more about Shade Protocol. Thanks again to the team for hopping on here as well and answering some questions. We, We look forward to seeing you again next week. And that'll wrap it up for today. Have a good one, guys. Happy building. Happy building. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Shade Protocol end of month FAQ recorded on Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. All aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke blows in when I start a session. Blink canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs. Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded Another fixed game of try my luck Oh, lighten up, dog. It could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead or putting in new speakers It's a toss-up, driver or just tweakers Don't stress, yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor We take a little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling Less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the box came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal, I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble